From Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning. Focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio. That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Appreciate you all being with us on the Bishop's Hour as we move on into the Lenten season and uh, head towards Easter Sunday, which comes a little bit early this year, the 31st of March. Uh, this is indeed the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And we're glad to welcome in Kathleen Domingo, who is the Executive Director of the California Catholic Conference, representing all the bishops of the state of California. Kathleen, good day to you. Hi, Bob. How are you today? Doing fine. Thanks for taking the time uh, to, to be with us. And uh, uh, it's such a uh, important time, obviously, in the in the church as we move into the into the Lenten season. But so so much happening, so much happening in our world, of course. And uh, you're right in the right in the center of that, dealing with the uh, the California legislature and uh, all those issues. Does does this change for you and your role uh, being a, a presidential election year? And also in California, we've got U.S. Senate and of course all of our uh, House of Representatives people on the ballot, et cetera. Yeah, this is definitely a busy year. We have the, um, of course, the, the general election at the federal level to look forward to. We have all kinds of elections here in California, as you mentioned, our representatives. We also have a lot of ballot initiatives this year for us to watch and monitor. Um, so it is it is a busy year um, legislatively and politically. It's also a busy year for the church, right? We're, we're in the middle of the Eucharistic Revival, yes. and so many other wonderful programs. Yeah, the Eucharistic Revival, so much, uh, so much uh, happening with that as well, and I think it's, it's uh, a wonderful revival and, and, and a, a necessary revival. And, of course, there will be the, the, uh, the, all of the happenings on that, uh, a lot of the happenings here on Saturday, March 9, and we will tell you more about all of that uh, a little bit later in the program. But do you find in, a, in an election year, the, are there more bills introduced where a, 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 a legislator can say, look what I'm doing, look what I'm doing, uh, vote for me? Is it, does it kind of foster that? Yeah, I think that's definitely true, right? Everyone wants to make a name for themselves. Um, we have an interesting situation this year with our huge budget deficit. Mm -hmm. So that puts a little bit of a damper on what can be introduced and, you know, what will be a viable bill going forward if it has any kind of fiscal implications. But yes, I think as the bills are coming in and we're assessing them in this legislative session, um, it, it is interesting to see what people's priorities are. A lot this year on retail theft, a lot on fentanyl, a lot around housing. So we're looking at some of those big ticket items for um, our representatives, you know, what their voters are really thinking about. Public safety, homelessness, the economy, um, you know, keeping our kids safe, those kinds of issues. Yeah, it seems like it wasn't that long ago that the governor or the legislature or somebody was uh, actually sending us checks. What what happened in terms of going from a surplus to a pretty serious deficit? Yeah, a lot of it has to do with tax revenue and um, especially the way the market has an effect on the state budget. You know, so it is it is difficult to understand. It's difficult to follow all the times, the ins and outs of our state budget. Remember that we're the you know fourth or fifth largest economy in the world right, right. in that area. 
And so we have a lot going on in our state day to day. And so even though we have a significant budget deficit this year, um, and there's still even conversation about what exactly that is. You know, some people say it's 60 billion, some people say it's 100 billion. Um, so, but uh, we still have a huge, huge state budget. And so, you know, all of that money has to be allocated. So much of it goes for education, so much of it goes for social safety net as it should and infrastructure in our state. So we still have a lot of room to advocate for those resources that will help um, the, the most vulnerable in our communities. Yeah, we always talk about the preferential option for the poor. How much of the budget is uh, already earmarked? Uh, you know, X percent has to go to this and X percent has to go to that. Yeah, it's difficult to say in any particular year. There's a really good amount that goes especially to schools. So Prop 98 has specific allocation to schools, things like that. And with the local control funding formula, they really identify those neighborhoods that are the most in need. So not just individual children that are the most in need, but really regions of the state where there's a large concentration of families in need. And so through our schools, that's a way that um, a lot of times the state will help families by creating sort of community schools, um, quote unquote, where they offer services to families, um, definitely nutrition and things like that. And so for, for, you know, 90% of our Catholic kids in California who attend public school, that can be really helpful for them. Um, our Catholic schools do a lot of those same kinds of things, but without the state funding, we do them, you know, at the community level through parish organizations and things like that. So very often um, our schools and become places in the community where so much service is provided for families. Absolutely. So we, we hear talk, obviously, nationally a lot about the border and California is a border state. It's primarily uh, a, a federal issue, not a state issue, although we're seeing some back and forth, uh, certainly with the state of Texas right now over that. Are we facing any of that in California? Are we seeing any legislation about border issues, immigration issues? So far this year, as the bills are coming in, there have been one or two. As you say, um, the border is really a federal issue, but what's important to note is that uh, as the, the feds are choosing not to act on different border legislation and, and bills that are before them, mm -hmm. um, the state of California is still seeing migrants coming in very regularly. Um, and so, you know, there, there might be a hesitancy at the federal level to do um, any kind of an action of legislation, but that, that doesn't stop the need here in California right. for those who are working on relief efforts to help the migrants coming in and make sure that they have access to the resources that they need um, and we can get them on their way. Most of the migrants who come to California have a destination. They have a family or, you know, friends or someone they're going to, um, but some don't and, and they need somewhere to stay too. So all of those pieces are um, right now really being handled by nonprofit organizations. The church is greatly involved in a variety of ways and in different areas on that. Um, so we're, you know, we're working together with a lot of different nonprofits to um, make sure that the needs of the migrants are met as they come to California. Yeah, I know. Talking to Marie Leatherby at, at the uh, Sacramento Life Center, she said a lot of the, there's been a real uptick in the number of people they see that are uh, migrants. 
That doesn't surprise me. Yeah, um, for sure. You know, you'll you'll have a lot of people um, coming to California for a better life for themselves and sure. for their children coming to the United States. And so, you know, the the fact that they might be expecting um, and that they really want help to build a family um, is really not surprising. That's what they come for. They, you know, they would really like to have a better life and and feel like. Um, coming here to the United States and in a particular way, California is the best way for them to take care of their families and to provide for their children. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful that places like the Sacramento Life Center are there to help those migrant families as they need it. Yeah, indeed, indeed. So we have a, obviously a, a legislature that's uh, overwhelmingly in one party. Uh, do we, do you see legislation that is bipartisan here in California? That's a good question. <laughs> um, sometimes, sometimes there is. You know, last year we saw some movement around um, the the issue of of fentanyl, the issue of human trafficking. I think mm-hmm. those are both really good issues that don't have to be in one party or the other, but right. where people can come together. I think um, some of the early childhood uh, and child care issues are also. Um, some of those issues as well, where people can come together on both sides and say, you know, we may disagree about certain things, but we all agree that children need to be cared for and how can we make sure that they're getting the best start possible. So there are, um, I think, some some specific topics. Um, I wish housing was more of a bipartisan issue. Mm -hmm. It seems to me that a lot of people, um, and it's not even just partisan, I would say it's... um, it's just a lot of people <laughs> introduce a lot of bills claiming to solve the housing crisis right. or the homelessness crisis, and right. yet none of them ever seem to do. And so many of them are contradictory. And then we get into you know fighting over whose solution is better than the other, but they all cost money. So at the end of the day, um, you know it would just be so nice if we could really kind of put our heads together and work together because I really do think that the situation with housing. And especially the unhoused in California is something we can solve if we really want to. It, yeah, it, the old uh, expression, you know, that where there's where there's a will, there's a way, and uh, the fact that it it seems to have gotten worse. I and it just that's very anecdotal, but it sure seems to have gotten worse. Uh, a, a lot more people unhoused, and and a, a lot of uh, you know, at least a lot of talk, and and some sometimes action about homelessness, but it doesn't seem to have really dented the, the problem. I, I even see, you know, some, some, some areas of fluent area, kind of the no, not in my backyard mentality where they're, well, I'm going to have, we're going to have all our houses uh, designated as historic and then you can't do anything here. You know, it's. Yeah. Yeah. There are, I think a lot of, hurdles and challenges to in the state in different jurisdictions and cities and counties and different neighborhoods. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, I think everyone agrees that it's not in keeping with the dignity of people to be living on the street and to be living in tents on a a rainy day or a, you know, boiling hot day or some of these different situations we have here in California. I think we can all agree on that. So it really is, um, I think up to all of us to work towards some solutions and to encourage our elected officials. Hey, let's not just talk, but let's see some action. Let's have accountability. We're spending billions and billions of dollars on the problem. And yet you're right. Um, and saying that the numbers are keep increasing. So, you know, let's have some accountability and, and let's really 
use some strategic planning to find a solution that works. Let's look around, let's look at some other states and, and even other countries and see how they have solved problems and embrace some of those solutions. Obviously, you, you work primarily with the, the, the legislature or deal with the California legislature, but a, a lot of the, the homeless is really an odd one in that um, you see a lot of local uh, ordinances and local legislation and local efforts, uh, sometimes countywide, usually citywide, trying to deal with it. How, how does that all break down in terms of laws and money and all that? And uh, like you, you hear Mayor Steinberg talk about homeless. You'll hear Governor Newsom talk about homeless. You'll hear uh, somebody in Los Angeles talk about or San Francisco talk about homeless. How, how does that break down in who, who has authority over all that? So the funding comes from the state and the way the funding is dispersed is generally through counties um, and sometimes cities. It just depends on, on what the, the actual um, project is. And so the, the local folks, people who can go to um, county board of supervisors meetings, city council meetings, you know, work with their local elected officials can really have a great influence in how that money is spent at the local level and what effect it can have in their own communities. And so, um, you know, a lot of people think that in order to do any kind of lobbying or um, legislative activity, you have to be in Sacramento. That's just not true. In fact, um, so much happens at the local level that can be very effective and very powerful. So, you know, that's that's a very good example of a, a solution to a local problem that can really be solved at the local level because a solution in Fresno is going to look very different than a solution mm-hmm. in Los Angeles or a solution in Sacramento. Absolutely. So you talked, you mentioned retail theft, you know, we're seeing, I mean, the city of Oakland or not the city of Oakland, but uh, Oakland uh, and uh, in and out closing in Oakland became national news that there's so much crime and, and employees aren't safe, et cetera. And we, we see retail theft that's, that's so organized, you know, we're almost gangs are going into a Rite Aid or a CVS or a Target and just uh, clearing shelves um is there bipartisan obviously nobody likes that but is there are there solutions there beyond law enforcement yeah there are definitely bipartisan um efforts now a lot of bills have been introduced it's still early days in this legislative session so we don't know where they're all going to go and which one, you know, will sort of rise to the surface as a a potential solution and and get the support of the legislature. But I think both sides are very um, committed to finding a solution. This is a statewide problem. um, And it's a problem too, that is having, you know, ripple effects. So it's not just about public safety, but it's also um, about the the future of our inner cities. Mm-hmm. And so mayors of inner cities are coming together to say, we need to do something to revitalize our downtown areas um, because, you know, this is having a tremendous effect, huge stores in and out. Yes, of course, but other huge stores yeah. um, and, and, you know, shopping centers and things are closing and it's really, I mean, people are losing their jobs, a whole, you know, middle sections of cities, very famously San Francisco, but not just San Francisco. Um, 
is really having difficulty um, employing people, housing people, you know, finding um, tourist dollars. So all of this has great effect, not just on um, public safety, but on the economy, um, on the stability of families, you know, all of these things. So it is an issue of great importance this year. I think we'll see a lot of bills at the end of the day that, that are dealing with these issues from a variety of angles. Uh, you'll see a lot of press around it. And this is, you know, to get back to your earlier question, this will be a topic that I think will be um, very prominent in the election this year, will be legislators wanting to say that they are, have the solution to this problem. Uh, one, one part of this problem, it wasn't it wasn't funny, but uh, we learned that the governor shops at Target like the rest of us. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> well, and sometimes that's what it takes, right? Is yeah. him actually seeing something to say, wait a minute. You know, I've read about it. I've heard about it. I've talked to people about it. But when I see it in front of me, uh, I, I witnessed something similar, too. And it's really shocking, honestly, to say, oh, my gosh, you know, this is just happening. Um, and I think we're at the point now where a lot of people have seen it firsthand, oh, yeah. and it's um, it's enough, I think, for a groundswell of, of support of people saying enough is enough. This is not okay. You know, we're all affected in some way. Yeah, and it doesn't seem to to matter where your politics are. Uh, people are just they're astounded, and you're so right. I mean, we see in in various cities, you know, a, a Lowe's co- closing or a Home Depot closing or or Target or. Walmart, et cetera. Uh, and, and what does that do to a neighborhood? What does it do to jobs? It's, uh, it, it cascades. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's really, you know, families, it's really the everyday person who loses out, right? Whether they lose their job or they lose right. their place to shop or their, you know, their neighborhood is less safe or their school is less safe. So it, it really does have ripple effects all over our, our state and all over our economy. Fentanyl, it just seems to be I, I don't know. It's, it's drug number one. It's issue number one. Uh, it it seems so pervasive, and we we hear about that being a, partly a border issue as well. But but uh, there'd be there'd be no fentanyl coming across the border if there wasn't demand for fentanyl. And I don't, I don't know how we how we stem the demand. I, I I don't know where that demand is coming from or why. But man, it's it's just a huge problem. It is a huge problem. It's a multifaceted problem. And, you know, I don't claim to be any expert, but I will say that it's really captured people's imaginations um, because this isn't just an overdose issue. Mm-hmm. You know, we've we've experienced, especially with the opioid crisis, you know, so many people overdosing accidentally. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a different situation. They they were addicts. We knew they were addicts. They, maybe we tried to help them, whatever. But with fentanyl, the way that it's working now is, so many of the people who die from fentanyl, um, it's just fentanyl exposure. They weren't addicts. Yep. They thought they were yep. getting a different drug. You know, and so it, I think in that sense, it really has captured people's imaginations um, in the news, you know, in families and in, in, in communities, um, but also, of course, with the legislature to say, you know, this has really gotten out of hand. So, you know, to your point, how do we stem the demand um, there are, again, some bills in the legislature this year that are seeking to do that, you know, especially around education um, for high school students in a particular way. Can we educate people around fentanyl? Can we help people to understand this is not something to mess around with? It's not funny, you know. Um, uh, there's, there, um, of course, some uh, public safety issues around that, around people who are selling fentanyl and who are, you know, knowingly doing these things. But at the end of the day, I mean, 
I think it's like anything else, we kind of have to ask ourselves as a community, um, you know, what is the demand? And is it because we talk about, you know, a few years ago, we were talking about deaths of despair, again, kind of on the opioid epidemic. I mean, are we still in that place where there is such demand for some of these drugs? And there's another drug trank that's, you know, big Mm -hmm. on the streets and things because people are just so full of despair. And where does that situation come from? Is it poverty? Is it a lack of family? Is it a lack of purpose? You know, I think it's a whole bunch of different things. And, And those are things that we should be talking about. I think what are the root causes of people feeling like their lives have to turn to drugs um, in order to find any kind of relief for the suffering and the despair that they're feeling. Mm, well put. The human trafficking, you know, we, we hear about that, and, and but when you talk to people, they go, they, they kind of shrug and say, well, that sounds terrible, but I'm not witnessing it. You know, it, it's, it's semi-hidden, I guess, if you will, but it's still a, a major problem. I guess Sacramento's uh, one of the... <laughs> leading cities in terms of problem with, with uh, human trafficking? So human trafficking is another one of those very, very complex issues. It touches on issues of immigration, for sure. It touches on issues of um, foster care and homeless youth. Um, you know, you have situations where people are being trafficked for labor reasons. Mm-hmm. So um, very often that's an immigration issue. They're, they're brought here to the United States under false pretenses or by people who, you know, have with nefarious mean ideas and really wanting to take advantage of people, um, forcing them to work without, you know, just wages and or wage stealing and things like that. Um, and then we hear a lot too about um, sex trafficking, and that really is a, a kind of a, a different animal. Right. Um, and really a lot of those um, young people who are, you know, sort of drafted into sex trafficking um, come from the child welfare system. So mm-hmm. they are kids who grew up in foster care, um, in group homes, you know, in that kind of setting, don't have a lot of um, real structure around them. Not all, but, you know, a really high percentage. And so a lot of times when we talk about human trafficking, people feel like, oh my gosh, this is just such a huge issue. What could I possibly do? And one of the things we always say is you can help, again, with the demand, right? If you can work with kids in foster care. Maybe you want to be a foster parent. Maybe you want to be a mentor. Maybe you want to be a CASA. Maybe you want to be a big brother, big sister, something like that to provide um, a really good and stable adult to a child or or a young person in in the foster care system. That could mean the difference between that child um, being groomed for sex trafficking and not. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so, so there are little bites that we can take that are attainable and achievable and can make a real significant difference. So we don't have to view this as such a huge issue that we don't know where to start. Yeah, in, in fact, in the annual Catholic Appeal, CASA is, is is sort of partnering with Northern Valley Catholic Social Service, um, and to try to help. And I know my wife was a a, a longtime CASA volunteer, and just it, it obviously it was helping uh, kids in the system, but it was it was helping her too and helping society because she was understanding a problem that maybe she, neither of us had understood before. Fantastic. Yeah, I believe that's true. 100%. Yeah. Kathleen, anything you are uh, at the conference, any legislation you're especially like our our listeners to know about that you're following, tracking, anything they can, you know, write their uh, legislators about? 
you know, I think it's still early days. Um, so I'll have some later in the mm -hmm. year to talk yep. about. But one thing I do want to talk about is a new initiative of the California bishops. It's called Radiate Love. We mm -hmm. just launched it for World Marriage Day last weekend. Um, and it's an opportunity for everyone in the state of California to spend a year um, along with our bishops, sort of reflecting on the beauty of marriage, um, the good of marriage for individuals, for families, for the entire community, whether you're married or you want to be married or you used to be married or you um, are ev even in a struggling marriage. There's something there to learn about this beautiful gift that God's given us of marriage and family and how we can participate in that in some way. And so I would just invite everyone to um, check out our website. Again, the, the initiative is called Radiate Love. And every Paris will hopefully be learning about that um, in a couple months. We're going to launch that. Oh, very good. That's that's exciting. Yeah, that, that yeah. Means... All of our bishops in California are working on this. We're really excited about it. Oh, very good, very good. Well, that's a that's a great note to end on, and uh, I greatly appreciate it, taking the time to be with us. And uh, uh, blessings for a, a, a very holy uh, Lent for you and all your staff and family. And uh, we hope our paths cross again soon. Thanks, Bob. You too. Thanks, Kathleen. That's Kathleen Domingo, who is the executive director of the California Catholic Conference, uh, representing all the bishops of the state of California. So Radiate Love, be, uh, be looking for that, that uh, a campaign coming up uh, that all the bishops here in the state of California are supporting. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back with more on the Bishop's Hour right after this. We'd like to thank all the wonderful people and organizations, uh, businesses in town, uh, and throughout the Diocese of Sacramento, who have provided underwriting for the Bishop's Hour, uh, some in the last few years, some uh, have been with us for a very long time. If you would like to be an underwriter for the Bishop's Radio Hour, uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to, to support this mission and also to support the diocese and also uh, to get some uh, recognition for uh, your organization or for your business. The easiest way to do this is to uh, give us a shout, send us an email, radio at scd.org, and we can give you all the details about uh, helping to underwrite the Bishop's Radio Hour. Again, that's radio at scd.org. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Drop by and shop at their thrift store, a beautiful, beautiful thrift store at 2275 Watt Avenue, Open Mondays through Saturdays from 10 to 8 and Sundays from 11 to 6. They also accept donations at the store, donations of furniture, appliances, clothing, books, everyday household items. Your donations help to fund the many projects of the St. Vincent de Paul Society throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Do such wonderful, wonderful work, and the thrift store is uh, one of the, the ways they uh, raise the funds to help people throughout the diocese and also uh, uh, many of their clients are able to access the uh, thrift store for uh, items that they need. You can uh, give them a call. They will come pick it up as well, but you can uh, give them a call. They're at 916-972-1212. And remember, again, the thrift store is open uh, seven days a week at 2275 Watt Avenue right here in Sacramento. Well, Bishop Soto refers to Christ the King Retreat Center as the jewel of the diocese, and indeed it is. What a beautiful oasis it is. It's located in Citrus Heights, uh, right in the hustle and bustle of the city, and you feel like you're getting away from it all when you uh, turn off the main road and just uh, uh, come into Christ the King 
Passionist Retreat Center. Christ the King has served Northern California and the Diocese of Sacramento for over 60 years through parish weekend retreats, individual spiritual direction, and a variety of other programs. For information on all the programs that they offer, including residential programs, give them a call. They're at 916-725-4720, or you can visit them at 6520 Van Maren Lane in Citrus Heights. And we certainly thank uh, the St. Vincent de Paul Society and Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center for their fine and longstanding support of the Bishop's Hour. Welcome back. Appreciate you all being with us on the uh, on on the Bishop's Hour, and uh, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And we're glad to welcome in um, Miriam San Martino, who is the Executive Director of Catholic Charities and Social Concerns for the Diocese of Sacramento. Miriam, good day to you. Good day to you too, Bob. Thanks so much, Miriam, uh, for taking the time to be with us today. Um, so much happening here, and we have the, the wonderful Catholic appeal uh, ongoing now, and the people in Sacramento, in the Diocese of Sacramento, are just so generous uh, with the uh, Catholic appeal. Uh, and uh, there were, what, oh, what over 100, something like that, uh, different uh, uh, ministries of the Diocese of Sacramento. I mean, I can, you know, you can think you, off the top of your head, you can think of five or six or seven. I mean, you, you obviously can think of more, but uh, <laughs> but it's like the Catholic Church is like this massive safety net for all the a, a lot of things that people wouldn't even think of that the church is involved in, like, like for example, the Exodus Project, uh, which mm -hmm. is yeah. uh, one of the functions uh, that runs through the St. Vincent de Paul, but sponsored here by the Diocese of Sacramento. Just so many things that the appeal touches, and you, of course, uh, know all about this. Talk, talk a little bit about the appeal and uh, why people should be so excited about it. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm always excited for the Anopathic Appeal. Um, like you were saying, Bob, uh, the charitable ministries, uh, social service ministries that we have, go beyond um, the agencies right, that we highlight in our brochure because 25% of the ACA program um, goes back to the parish. And the purpose of those funds is to support the parish's focus, right? right. Their social service ministry, their charitable ministry. And um, that's an opportunity for, for us to say, you know, the local parish really knows what the needs are. And to enable them to you know, receive the needs after receiving the bread of life, go out and be the, be the bread to others. Um, I think that's just so unique um, when you look at what, how we do it here in the Diocese of Sacramento compared to us. And it's, a, it's an absolute blessing the way um, Bishop has really structured the ACA. So not only do we support um, larger organizations, right? Um, like our Rancho Cordova Food Locker, um, Sacramento Life Center, Catholic Charities, all of our Catholic Charities, um, we also support vocations and Catholic education in the parishes. So it's just an amazing way to have all of us participate in the, uh, the best way to put faith in action, right? To serve those who are in most need and so that they don't feel alone, that they don't feel like there's no answer. 
to their challenges that they're facing. So it's just a marvelous program. And the response to the ACA, again, I think it's just a, a testament. Uh, we truly believe right, that this is our calling. That we, so we're always very, very thankful um, to our parishes for participating. Miriam, you're breaking up just a little bit with, with us, so uh, I think uh, Gabe is going to try to reconnect with you, and uh, uh, we'll, we'll get back to that in a minute. Uh, the uh, Catholic Appeal, which we are talking about, the annual Catholic Appeal ongoing now, uh, so many wonderful programs in the Catholic Appeal, and as Miriam pointed out, 25% supports education for seminarian formation and Catholic school tuition assistance. 25% goes back to parishes, your own, uh, uh, your, 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 your home parish uh, gets 25%, and then 50% supports all the charities that uh, Catholic Charities of Sacramento represents, uh, Catholic Charities of Yolo Solano, Northern Valley Catholic Social Service, uh, which represents uh, Butte, Glen, Shasta, Siskiyou, Tehama, and Trinity counties in the north north part of the 20-county Diocese of Sacramento, and then Sacramento Food Bank and Family Services right here in the greater Sacramento area, which just does such a huge job of, of taking care of food insecurity throughout the entire entirety of Sacramento County. And their, uh, their caseload, if you will, goes up every, every single year. It's more than doubled or tripled in the last few years as, as the need just continues, continues to, uh, to grow. So it's, uh, it's really, uh, really a huge, uh, huge undertaking at Sacramento Food Bank and Family Services, Gabe. Yeah. Um, she, her phone, uh, she was out and, uh, she thought she had service where she was. Her phone wasn't giving her service. So we're going to reschedule her, uh, because, you know, she really does want to come on and talk about the appeal. Well, Miriam Mir Mir has to get around these 20, 20 county diocese of Sacramento right. to do her job. And there are, there are, uh, this is, you know, we're talking about almost the entire North state, except for just a little sliver along the North coast, which is. Uh, part of the Diocese of Santa Rosa. The rest of it is the Diocese of Sacramento. And there are some pretty remote areas here where you you either have a little bit of service or no service at all. So yeah, and I think that's I think that was the the issue is she was in a spot where um, <clears throat> she was doing some work and I think she wasn't able to get service like she wanted it. As you probably could hear when we got up on the air, you could hear there was a bit of background noise. So I think she might have been actually at a church function uh, at the time we we're talking to her. So um, <clears throat> unfortunately, yeah. But you know, one of the interesting things since you mentioned it about the small towns throughout the diocese of Sacramento is that you know pretty much every burger place in every single one of these it's it's been a thing for those of you who who obviously don't know this uh since i've been working here with bob for what 15 16 years now i will mention oh yeah the family and i are going to go to this you know obscure town to go for a hike and bob's like oh make sure you stop at this burger place it's actually behind a barber shop you won't see it from the street but it's the best burgers and he has an, an innate quality to know where every good burger joint is in every city i don't know how you come up with that as a skill but you've definitely mastered it <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the the talents that god gave me i, I guess so <laughs> indeed you know and, and we we do have uh you know did, did get a, a release from miriam about uh the catholic relief service rice bowl which is uh uh, coming up uh, for the first week of Lent, 
uh, season of reflection during this holy time. We are called to pause and pay closer attention to our relationship with God and our neighbors. Reflect on how the Lenten pillars of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving can guide your journey and how the Eucharist helps us to live in solidarity with our sisters and brothers around the world. Visit CRS, that's Catholic Relief Service, crsricebowl.org to learn more and read this week's Story of Hope. You know, we just came off of uh, Ash Wednesday, the uh, beginning of Lent, which uh, coincided with uh, Valentine's Day this year, also co- coincided with the birthday of our firstborn in our family. So it was a, a trifecta, if you will, but uh, obviously... Uh, uh, be, the beginning of Lent, the beginning of this uh, period of fasting, almsgiving, and really pre- preparing for for uh, the resurrection, the the Holy Week, and and the the death and then resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is what what our faith obviously is all about. And the CRS Rice Bowl is during this uh, Lenten journey, if you will, and so so important and uh, so important for. For feeding folks in the second week of Lent, which is just around the corner in Uganda, the climate is very hot. This is from uh, uh, CRS and the Diocese of Sacramento uh, 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 Catholic Charities and Social Concerns. In Uganda, the climate is very hot and dry. Farmers in this region depend heavily on the rainy season for a successful harvest. But lately, due to the changing climate, the rain has been coming later than it used to and is more inconsistent. Sometimes when it does rain, it causes flooding and ruins the crops. Learn how Adolf and Florence have taken the matter into their own hands, implementing new farming techniques they learned from a Catholic Relief Services program to improve their farm and fight against hunger in their community. Again, go to uh, crsricebowl.org to read that story of hope. I thought, um, seeing that we're talking the Lenten season, um, I had looked up some of the top things that people give up for Lent, and this one I had found, I'll, I won't, you know, go through all of them, but there's a few, and all of these on here have, you know, biblical backing, so, you know, you can always go back and, and look up your things. I'm just curious what you think of some of these. Uh, one of them was complaining, giving up complaining for Lent. Oh, very interesting. That's an interesting one. Well, and, and you know, and, and uh, you know, I, I remember when I was, when I was a kid, uh, it was all... Uh, Giving something up, you know, giving up chocolate, giving up this or that. Uh, That's number two, uh, sweet for, treats. For, for Lent, you know, but <laughs> but indeed, uh, it's it's all about almsgiving as well, too. And, and it's about, uh, you know, community service. It's helping those who are in need. There, there are so many ways to help. And, and the Catholic Appeal is, is one of those for sure. And, you know, it's, it's the thing that's always impressive to me about the Catholic appeal is the number of people who participate uh, as much as, as the money that's raised, which is <clears throat> obviously the goal here of, of so because it funds all these uh, different ministries of Catholic charities, but be, be, and, and other ministries of the diocese, not just those under Catholic charities, but uh, for, for example, uh, uh, seminarian uh, education and, and tuition assistance in our Catholic schools, um, among other things, but what's really really important about it is it gets it gets everyone involved in their faith. It gets everyone involved in their almsgiving and and helping and realizing what no matter your station in life, no matter your 
financial situation, you can be a part of helping someone else. Everyone has the opportunity to participate in this. And the numbers of people who participate is as impressive as the amount of money raised every year to fund all these wonderful, wonderful uh, programs in the uh, annual Catholic Appeal. Um, one of the ones that's on there that I don't, I don't prescribe to is giving up listening to the radio. Yes. Yeah. Don't definitely don't do that. Don't don't give up the radio. Um, <laughs> so um, another interesting uh, one I saw was um, that I think a lot of us could probably go for was giving up screen time, including television. Yes. Yeah, you know, yeah. T- television is kind of the forgotten screen time, if you will. It's almost, they've kind of become too, a lot of people watch their shows and things on their phones now. I mean, yeah. I know a lot of people have a TV who barely ever turn it on. We just hear the term device now more than, yeah. you know. Or yeah, just screen. Or screen, yeah, uh, screen time. And 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 a lot of it, a lot of screen time is sort of mindless. And, you know, and, and you, uh, you know, once in a while you're lucky and you're, uh, you're away and you're you either forgot your cell phone or you ran out of juice and there's no way to to uh, resupply recharge and you go wow this was this was a time I could reflect this is a time I could uh, uh, pray this is a time uh, it's it's remarkable I mean you and I are both old enough to have lived without cell phones oh yeah you know, yeah, and, and the internet and, and computers the internet readily and, available, and, and all of that. I took a typing class in in <laughs> high school. <laughs> I, I, I did too. Yeah, so yeah, it's uh, it's funny know. when you say that about the screens. Like I remember we went on vacation, the family and I, to Pacifica a year or so ago, and <clears throat> my daughter and I were um, splashing around in the surf, and she got hit by a wave at one point. She was like six at the time and it, it scared her so the next day when we were out there i was you know i was by her when she got hit by the wave anyway but i think it made her feel a little bit more secure going in the water when i was there next to her so i was staying pretty close to her we were jumping up and down and i had my cell phone and, I had, and a flannel because you know it's northern california you go in the beach with your waist down but you also are wearing a flannel because it's freezing and uh i was jumping up and down with her in the waves and i looked down and she goes daddy isn't that your phone and there at the bottom by where the waves are breaking under the water was my phone and you know it was all salted up and everything and, and wet and it didn't work anymore and even though i wasn't driving in on my phone or i wasn't on my i'm, I'm really on my phone i'm around my kids it still was an interesting feeling of knowing it just wasn't doesn't gonna work and i just you know didn't have it and it's weird even when you're not gonna look on it it when it's no longer available it, your mind does sort of revert back to this feeling of like oh yeah it's okay that i don't have to know you know everything at, at the moment or people don't have to know where i am it's a it's a nice it's a freeing feeling yes indeed it is we should tell you that uh, seeing god's blessings the 18th annual benefit for the poor dinner uh, this is always a huge gathering and a wonderful gathering and a fun gathering and a, a heart-rending gathering uh, Friday, April 26th, starts at 5.30 p.m. It'll be at the Double Tree at Arden. Uh, you'll be very well fed. It's a great dinner. Uh, for more information, contact uh, Denise O'Brien. She's at D-O-B-R-I-E-N, D-O-B-R-I-E-N at svdp-sacramento.org. That's uh, St. Vincent de Paul. Or you can call uh, 
or at 279-345-2362 or go to svdp-sacramento.org. Our good friend Walt Gray from Channel 10 will be the uh, anchor. He's an Emmy Award winner and always uh, makes the evening very entertaining. And you'll hear from Joe Alves, who is the uh, president of the Sacramento Council of the Society of St. Vincent de Paul. There will be a presentation of the Benefactor Award to the wonderful Clegg family. And then the introduction of the... uh, of Deacon uh, Gene Smith, who is going to be the keynote speaker for this wonderful dinner. Uh, Deacon Gene Smith is a member, has been a member of the St. Vincent de Paul Society for 65 years, including service as national president from 1999 to 2005. He has retired from 45 years of social work and fundraising and support of the Daughters of Charity and other Catholic sisters in international health care, in the poorest countries of the world. Uh, The work of the sisters that he'll talk about included building water wells, providing vaccinations for children, improving maternal health, and advocating for health care in lesser developed countries. Prior to that, he served as director of social services at Seton Medical Center here in California. Graduate of USF, has master's in in, uh, social work and MBA degrees, and uh, has been married for 59 years to his wife Nina and currently serves as a deacon in the Catholic Church and a member of St. Raphael Conference in San Rafael. Should be a tremendous uh, uh, guest speaker. Uh, they'll also, uh, are, they're still uh, having sponsorships. They love to have some sponsorships. You can be an event sponsor and you'll get all, all different sorts of recognition, etc. Um, there's also a hospitality sponsor, a Vincentian sponsor, a Frederick Ozenam, the founder uh, sponsor, and table sponsors. So you and uh, you can do uh, do all of that by uh, contacting uh, Dot O'Brien. She again is at two seven nine three four five two three six two. They also have a wonderful Hawaii raffle, very extensive and all inclusive. Uh, where they're selling raffle tickets uh, after mass and things like that um, to uh, for the uh, raffle to win a trip to Hawaii. We should tell you our good friends at the at the Sacramento Choral Society and Orchestra uh, are going to pro- be presenting Stop It Mater uh, from Antonin Dvorak, um, European Masterworks. That will be on uh, March the second at 3 p.m. at the, uh, uh, sac- uh, at the uh, Sacramento Convention Center, the, uh, the uh, brand-new the uh, uh, Sacramento, this now called the Safe Credit Union Performing Arts Center. It's a powerful work that speaks to universal themes of loss, compassion, and hope, dis- transcending religious boundaries and resonating with listeners of various backgrounds. So, uh, some great performers, too. Olivia Smith will be the so- soprano, Salvatore Atti, the tenor, Maggie Renee, the mezzo, and David Soar, the bass. Uh, you can get tickets for that at 916-808-5181. Uh, and and that's, uh, that's really going to be an excellent uh, production. Again, March the 2nd at 3 p.m. I also want to uh, hop on one more time and just remind everybody how you can subscribe to the to the podcast because uh, if you're listening to this on the radio, 
We are also a podcast. It is the same exact show that you would hear on the radio, but you don't have to uh, restrict yourself to the time slot that you're listening to us on the radio. Uh, we are um, on Apple Podcasts, I believe, Spotify, uh, a few places where you get podcasts. Just look up Sacramento Bishop's Hour or Bishop's Radio Hour, I believe it's listed as. You can also go on Podbean, which is another popular podcast outlet and uh you just can listen there it is uh saved pretty much you know all the time like every other podcast platform you may go to and um you can also go to scd.org and listen to past shows on there just follow the homepage down to the bishop's hour uh, little button that you can click on and there's at least two weeks worth of shows all saved on there but that's a good way for you if you do subscribe we're not gonna you know spam you or anything like that in fact we have no control over that other than you are opting in to listen to our show so every time you open that app it will um just tell you how many shows you haven't listened to yet and you can listen to the ones you want to listen to not listen to the ones you don't you can also send the file itself to a friend who doesn't listen and say hey you know bob had this guest on today and i thought it was a great interview i thought maybe you'd want to hear it or you could pass it along to your family or what have you, and uh, and just share it that way. So, uh, you know, many ways to, to catch the Bishop's Hour, of course, still on Relevant Radio, 9 p.m., uh, Monday through Friday, and uh, I believe it's 9 a.m., 10 a.m. I mean, it's 10 a.m. on Saturday mornings as well. So if those are things that you uh, want to get more of the Bishop's Hour, and why wouldn't you want to get more of the Bishop's Hour, uh, you can do all those things to get as much of it as you want. And uh, also... Uh, you can email uh, radio at SCD, as in Sacramento Catholic Diocese, to get to me, the producer of the show. And if you have a uh, person who you think is worth getting on the show for something they've done, uh, you know, some works they've done, a, a ministry they have, uh, an athlete in a school that's done well, uh, you know, elementary school kid who built something really cool, you know, something you want to get on, um, just Give us an email, and uh, we will do our best to book as many people as we can because we are here to represent the entire diocese, and uh, we'd like to have as many people on as we can to show off our diocese. And we should remind you that the uh, Diocesan Eucharistic Congress is going to take place on Saturday, March 9, from 2 to 6 p.m. in celebration of the Eucharistic Revival. Bishop Jaime Soto invites Catholics across the Sacramento Diocese to join the, our Diocesan Congress, Saturday, March 9, for one of three simultaneous gatherings. One will be at Our Lady of Guadalupe Parish, and that will be in Spanish. Uh, another at St. Francis Parish in English, and a youth event at Immaculate Conception Parish, which is uh, hosted by the Black Catholic Ministry here in the Diocese of Sacramento. That's going to do it for us. Uh, stay tuned for an announcement about the, uh, the, the Catholic Appeal. Uh, coming right up. I want to talk, take a minute to talk about the annual Catholic appeal, the 2024 annual Catholic appeal. So important here uh, in the Diocese of Sacramento. So many ministries supported by the annual Catholic appeal, and the, the people in the Diocese of Sacramento have always been so generous, but uh, a wonderful brochure, you, a pamphlet, really, that you may have received in the mail, and on, on the back cover, a, a, a picture, maybe it's, front, I guess that's the front cover, uh, Deacon Kevin Staskow says, uh, I really think that everyone has something to give. When Jesus was literally dying on the cross, 
he found the strength to turn to the thief being crucified next to him and minister to that person. So often we have all kinds of excuses not to reach out to those next to us. Indeed, today you will be with me in paradise. And you look through this brochure and you will learn the many, many, many ministries that are supported by the annual Catholic Appeal. And uh, uh, 25% of your donation goes back to the parishes for social ministry at your parish. 50% supports charities, uh, Catholic charities of Sacramento, uh, and the members in that are Catholic Charities of Yellow Solano, Northern Valley Catholic Social Service, which uh, serves uh, Butte, Glen, Shasta, Siskiyou, Tehama, and Trinity counties in this 20-county diocese, and Sacramento Food Bank and Family Services right here in the greater Sacramento area. Also, associate members are Camp Recreation, serving Northern California, the Mother Teresa Maternity Home in Placerville, the Rancho Cordova Food Locker in Greater Sacramento, the Upper Room Dining Hall in Placerville. Many of you have worked at those places, are very familiar with those places, or have availed yourself of the wonderful services they provide. 25% uh, supports education, seminarian formation, and Catholic school tuition assistance. Uh, Partners uh, in uh, uh, the annual Catholic Appeal and Catholic Charities of Sacramento include Anderson Cottonwood Christian Assistance, Bishop Gallegos Maternity Home right here in Sacramento that does such wonderful work, the Catholic Ladies Relief Society up in Chico, Community Assistance Network in Greenville, Portola, and Quincy up in the hills, Loaves and Fishes in Sacramento, which just just does wonderful work with the homeless, Sacramento Life Center, which has uh, saved so many lives here in the Sacramento area, Salvation Army Food Shelf in Susanville, the Society of St. Vincent de Paul and their seven district councils, the North State, Placer Yuba Sutter Butte, Sacramento East, South Sacramento Elk Grove, Sacramento Metro Area, and Yolo Delta and Solano. Also, the Stanford Settlement Neighborhood Center in Sacramento and the Wellsprings Women's Center in Sacramento, plus Yuba City, uh, Yuba Sutter, right to life, the two counties uh, just north of Sacramento. Uh, More than 100 programs provide things like counseling, emergency fund, shelter and clothing, permanent and transitional housing, job training, pregnancy counseling, post and prenatal care, independent living skills, mentoring, parenting skills, after school care, refugee resettlement, citizen and citizenship and immigration services, and jail ministry. Our gifts help people who are mentally ill, homeless, disaster survivors, immigrants, elderly, developmentally disabled, incarcerated, working families, refugees, at-risk youth, the unborn, pregnant women, the hungry, and single parents. Such a wide, wide range of our our Catholic mission here on this earth and in this Diocese of Sacramento. One of the programs uh, uh, through uh, Northern Valley Catholic Social Services is uh, the Court-Appointed Special Advocate Program, which is operated out of all the superior courts in the state of California, and it partners with Northern Valley Catholic Social Service uh, to help kids who need 
advocates in the courts. Uh, they talk about a, in this pamphlet a, a young woman named Isabel, uh, who is devoted to ensuring a positive support system for foster kids now and for their future. As appointed uh, as a court-appointed special advocate, a program administered with compassion and dedication by Northern Valley Catholic Social Service, Isabel gives kids the voice they need in court to have a positive path in life. She was once in foster care herself. The severe trauma a child goes through is all too familiar. Today, she's reunited with her parents, has a family of her own, and is focused on becoming a lawyer. Northern Valley Catholic Social Services uh, gives her the opportunity to advocate in court for children with stories like hers. Uh, again, the annual Catholic appeal, uh, give generously, give whatever you can, whether it's a small amount, a large amount. Also, more men can say yes to the call to the priesthood. Support from the annual Catholic appeal helps seminarian Eric Patrick, who is pictured in this uh, brochure, to become Father Eric Patrick this past June. We've had him on our program, a de delightful priest. Father Patrick is earnestly hopeful that he can be a conduit for the experience of God's mercy and love. With coughs offset by the appeal, the 12 men now in seminarian formation can focus less on financial worries and more on preparing to serve in our parishes. The annual Catholic appeal uh, a wonderful, wonderful way to support so many ministries in the Diocese of Sacramento. That's going to do it for us for today. Thanks for listening. God bless everyone. We stand and lift up our hands for the joy of the Lord is our strength. We bow down and worship Him now. How great